Hi, everybody. It's Tom here, your old friend. Um, we recorded this episode before the news broke that uh, UConn interim president, Dr. Andrew Aguinobi, would be leaving the university for the private sector and that uh, Radenka Marich, the vice president for research, would become the uh, new interim president of UConn. So that's why we didn't mention it in this episode. Um, but it's, it's important news. It's a big deal. So um, I wanted to record uh, just this, this quick note at the start of our program, uh, acknowledging that, and we'll have more on that in, in future episodes. Okay, and now, enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 89 of UConn 360. That is the only podcast known to science that covers the University of Connecticut from every conceivable angle. Coming to you not from Storrs, Connecticut. Today, I'm in Manchester, Connecticut, my home, because we are we are COVID commuting. I am Tom Breen, your facilitator of sorts. Joining me, as always, my colleague, Julie Bartuka. Julie, how are you? I'm doing well. What's up, Tom? Things are, you know, I mean, they're as good as can be expected. It's a cold day, but uh, I'm indoors, so that's nice. We have a great guest this week. If you're a UConn Twitter person, You'll probably know this guest from UConn Twitter, perhaps, but he's not going to talk about Twitter. He's going to talk about uh, some very interesting things he's got going on. But first, some brief uh, news updates. And speaking of COVID, as January 10th, the afternoon of January 10th, UConn Health recorded its 100,000th COVID vaccine. That's a great milestone. And they've had mobile clinics all over the state. It hasn't just been happening in Farmington. And they've done a really great job. It's a huge uh, team effort there. All different departments of Yukon Health have been involved in that and they've been they've been really conscientious about getting it done so that's very cool to see. And uh, also on Yukon uh, today if you head over to today.yukon.edu there's an interesting story by my colleague Elena Hancock about road salt. And you know this is a time of year when there's a lot of road salt or you know sometimes not enough road salt but this is a roundup of research into the effects of road salt on everything from groundwater to animals and to me, one of the quirkiest things is an excess amount of road salt in an ecosystem apparently means larger frogs. No way. It's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting piece. So if you're interested <laughs> in, uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, if you like frogs, maybe it's good. I don't know. But uh, yeah, Julie, what's, what's going on with you? Any large frogs? <laughs> no large frogs. I was looking, there's a lot of interesting COVID related news, which I know we wish we could all stop talking about it, but there's some cool research being done, which is highlighted on UConn today. But what I saw that I wanted to bring up was the Waterbury Promise program. So we've got Hartford Promise, New Haven Promise, where eligible students get significant financial assistance to come to UConn and big scholarships. So that's now a program in the city of Waterbury where students there can attend any of UConn's campuses. And if they apply and get accepted under this program and they accept our offer of admission, they will get some significant help with attending school. So I thought that was really exciting. Yeah. The Promise program is great. It's been really successful in Hartford and New Haven, and it's fantastic that Waterbury is now part of it. All right, so that that's the news, and now uh, let's get to the, the heart of the show. Our guest, Julie, this was uh, somebody you wanted to have on to talk about. Tell us uh, who we're going to meet. Yeah, so actually, I'm going to shout out our girl Kaylee Townsend, who kind of gave us this connection. And not that we weren't connected already, we are. You may know him as at UConnNetch on Twitter, but. This is somebody who is very involved in the UConn Twitter sphere. So we talked about this in kind of our pre-interview, but UConn Athletics, as many things started, had created this kind of sub microcosm of people on Twitter that talked about UConn Athletics and has since ballooned to be about more than UConn Athletics. And you are one of the key people. Matt Necci graduated from UConn in 2003. 
and is an attorney by trade, but we are going to talk a little bit about some cool ideas he has and is, you know, living his kind of mantra here of getting involved in community and the ways communities can really make a difference from UConn alumni, young alumni being out about 20 years and and around that time, what you can do to make a difference at UConn and what you can do to make a difference in any community that you kind of identify with. So welcome, Matt Necci. Thank you guys for having me. I, it'll be tough to follow the growing frog pandemic, but <laughs> I'll do the best I can. You really started the show with the showstopper there. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was wild. So Matt, if you could just kind of give us uh, the quick and dirty about your UConn experience and how you've kind of stayed connected to the community over the past 20-ish years. Sure. So first of all, thanks for having me. UConn has been a huge part of my life. So as you said, I graduated in 2003, College of Liberal Arts and Science, had more of a history and journalism background. Tom's father, John, is my favorite professor I had at UConn. Still remember where I was with him on September 11th when everything was happening. So, wow. you know, it's like how those things crystallize in your head. But I've stayed engaged with the community, whether it's through attending some younger alumni events when I was first out of school, getting a little bit more involved with the UConn Foundation, whether it's through philanthropic opportunities or just volunteering. And then I think, as you guys know, you know, when you're someone that says you want to be involved and you get things done, it's amazing how many people can find things for you to do. So over the last <laughs> 20 years, I've had a hard time saying no when someone's asked me to get involved, particularly with a UConn-related project. It goes anywhere from my involvement on Twitter, which again, started as a everyone in my house. When Twitter was coming up, I've got an uh, 11-year-old and 9-year-old, and my wife's a teacher who gets up at like 5 o'clock in the morning. So you know, early on in the Twitter history, I had little kids and a wife that was going to bed at like 830. So who do you stay <laughs> up and watch the games with at night, right? It was the Yukon Twitter crowd. But that community has kind of involved into more of just talking about Yukon sports to now again, kind of a, a collision of Yukon sports, volunteer work and philanthropy with what happened with the Husky Ticket Project over the last year, where you had a nonprofit that was raising a few thousand dollars to try to send some kids from underserved communities to UConn games to 2021, we raised over hundred thousand dollars. So um, that's going to be over 10,000 kids going to UConn events that would not otherwise have the opportunity to do so. And for me, that's huge. You know, I I'm 40. So I fell in love with UConn when I was eight, nine years old, when the men's basketball teams in the uh, late eighties, early nineties were kind of growing to prominence and it was something that my whole life I wanted to go to UConn, even though I had some other opportunities, because I just had this relationship with the university. I absolutely fell in love as a kid. And so one of the reasons why I've been so excited about helping the guys with the Husky Ticket Project is you're helping indoctrinate sounds like such a filthy word <laughs> when you say it, but you're helping really kind of create the next generation of UConn students, UConn fans, maybe UConn student athletes. And I absolutely love the fact that you're doing that, but you're also doing it for kids that wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to do so. You're kind of preaching to the choir with that because Tom and I are both kind of like dyed in the wool UConn people from childhood. Also, obviously, Tom, you mentioned his father. My parents met at UConn and were huge UConn fans when I was growing up. And I kind of was little around the time that the, the basketball teams were getting really good as well. I have so many friends, like you said, who were first attracted to UConn. One of my best friends, my college roommate from Long Island was, you know, oh, they have an amazing women's basketball team. Let me take a look at that. And sure. she actually told Gino that when we ran into him at the casino once. Shout out to Christine. But um, 
it is, you know, you hear about that in, in the marketing world that we're in, especially in like sports marketing, that's how they get the next generation of their fans and keep things going is to kind of reach out to those kids. So can you tell us a little bit about what happened with the Husky Ticket Project and how you got involved in that? If you are not on UConn Twitter, you may have missed this, but there was something called a hot sauce challenge that went viral. And <laughs> maybe you can illuminate that a little bit for us. Sure. So it was early or kind of in the midway point of last season. I believe they were playing Marquette and they were down by like 25 points when a game was going on. And uh, Brian Jackson beat Penfield on uh, Twitter, kind of randomly put out there, if they come back and win this game, I'm going to take a shot of hot sauce. And like for me, hot sauce is like, you know, Taco Bell is about as severe as like the, the heat intensity I'll get. And he did something a little bit more severe than that. So they came back and won and he ended up doing this shot of hot sauce, which everyone just got kind of a kick out of. And the week that followed, they played a couple more games and it, it became more of the issue of we, we, the phrase we were using was accountability. So as you guys know, right, Twitter can be a really fun place, but it can be a very angry, diabolical place sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Criticisms come out because people are not facing you, but they're behind a keyboard or, or their phone. So it's easier to be a little bit more critical. So throughout that week that followed, anytime someone was critical about the team, but that the team came back and won or did something good, we got all these people just randomly taking shots of hot sauce. I've been really fortunate over the last several years to have developed a relationship with Dan Toscano, who's the chair of the board of trustees and Dan's somewhat active on Twitter too. So I thought it'd be funny to get him to take a shot of hot sauce on Twitter. And Dan's done some work with the Husky ticket project. And he said, if you guys figure out a way to try to raise money for that organization, I'm happy to take part in this. So I contacted the guys at Husky ticket project and said, listen, I'll put in the seed money for this. Let's try to raise $1,000. And then it was funny, like in that first day, $1,000 happened in about a half hour. And then it was like, by the end of the day, it was $5,000. And it was like, what's going on? And then the following day, you know, he's no longer with the university, but Randy Edsel was incredibly generous and made a very substantial donation. And things took off like wildfire. And we started hearing from alumni all over the country. And everyone wanted to be a part of either taking a shot of hot sauce. You know, at first it was, take a shot of hot sauce, donate $5 to the Husky ticket project. And then I had my first experience of what happens when something goes viral. And I think the closest comparison I could give is like spending a weekend in Las Vegas where you're only sleeping an hour a night. It was kind of that mentality where you were either up all night communicating with alumni all over the country about how they could donate and support the cause Or you had so much adrenaline because all of a sudden within 72 hours, you had raised $75,000 out of nowhere. And USA Today was doing stories about it. The AP pulled it. And it was just maddening that something, you know, I do a lot of nonprofit work. And I know you guys see what the university does and what the foundation does. It's so hard to really get people engaged in fundraising, right? No one wants to be bothered. The people that donate tend to do it because they want to, right? So you're not asking them. There are people that come back again and again. For something at a grassroots level to have just caught on fire like that, was I had never experienced anything like that before. And again, you know, things slow down after a few weeks, but within that first week, it was over $75,000. They had only, again, had raised a few thousand dollars before in a given year. And so we said, well, in 2021, let's see if we can get you over $100,000. That would be an incredibly substantial accomplishment for a relatively new nonprofit that is really three younger UConn alums who just have like the best heart in what they're wanting to do for the community. 
And we, you know, for the Big East opener this year, the Providence game, we had the the party on Pratt Street in downtown Hartford. It was important for me because one, I thought we should all celebrate. This was kind of before the last surge with COVID, but wanted to celebrate being back in the Big East, which we didn't get to do last year. Wanted to celebrate being around each other. And then I'm a huge proponent of Hartford development. I'm on the Hartford Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors. Everyone's taken it on the chin over the last couple of years. Hartford, obviously, um, it, it, it got bad for, for the last year. And the city was actually, there was a lot of excitement due to some of the development going downtown to things that organizations like the Yard Goats and the Travelers have been doing over the last several years. Pre-COVID, there was definitely a lot of energy with people moving downtown. And that kind of got stunted by the whole thing. Small businesses are going out of their way and the city of Hartford's really going out of its way to try to encourage people to come downtown and, and spend some money down there. So it was kind of a perfect thing where we could celebrate UConn. We can try to support downtown Hartford businesses, and then we could raise money to support kids. And we did get them over the $100,000 mark this year. So that means a lot of work to do for 2022, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun for sure. That'll go a long way. That's that's great. Yeah, I, re- I had friends who, who work in communication at other universities when this was happening, like that week where it's like in the Washington Post and it was all over. They were messaging me because they were convinced that this whole thing was planned by the university. So they're like, how did, how did you guys think of this idea? How did you get, and they, like, they wouldn't believe me when I said, we have nothing to do with this. This is completely, but I think the only way something like that happens is if it's completely natural and organic. hundred like percent. I, I don't think I completely agree. Like um, if you over plan things, I think it's, it's it, one of two things happens. You're underwhelmed because people aren't as excited as the people who are planning it, right? The people that are planning it are all in. Or you just you have no idea how to steer things, and you're you're overwhelmed by the process because you don't know what to do next. This was so grassroots, and again, you had a great community of people, the UConn Twitter people. Everyone brings something to the table. We all have our nuances, pro and and con. Um, <laughs> but this was just people that really wanted to do something good. And I think, I mean, everyone knows, you know, eighteen months ago. Some aspects of life were returning, but we still weren't around each other all the time. And this was our way to be around each other, right? So I think, Tom, that played a role too. People wanted something to be excited about last year. And the fact that the men's basketball team and women's basketball team, and frankly, I think some of the other teams this year, volleyball, women's soccer, there's a lot of really good energy in athletics going on right now. Baseball all the time. And everyone's really excited about Coach Moore with football. People are looking for an excuse to get excited about the university. So last year was just a perfect storm. I would love to tell you, and I and I hope it's true that it's something that this year we can try to replicate to some extent. And maybe we will. You know, you see what's happened with the with the Husky Thon and, and that has kind of taken off, right? Um, yep. sometimes that happens and you can continue to raise money. Sometimes it's lightning in a bottle. So people have to get creative. Um but I've consumed more hot sauce in the last 12 months than I had in the prior 39 years. For sure. You had shared with us something you wrote about how people really need to take ownership of their communities. And that was that was the example that was kind of really relevant and really a big flashy example. But what are some other ways that you are involved and in that you think other alums and other just whoever's listening to us should should really be getting involved in where they are and making the world a better place? Yeah. So I don't think there's a silver bullet for anything. I think everyone can contribute in their own ways. And so kind of the mantra when I was growing up, my parents were very much of the mind, like an unofficial motto was more of you need to help who you can, when you can, how you can. 
So there are some people in the world who can write checks, and that's a wonderful thing if that's how they can help people. There are other people that can volunteer time. I think you have to take ownership in contributing in whatever way works for you. Historically, and I don't think it's a New England thing. I don't think it's an American thing. I just think it's a people thing. We like to point out what's wrong with the world. We like to criticize, right? It's easier to talk about what's going wrong at the water cooler than it is to celebrate what's going right. Sometimes to my detriment, probably, but I feel like, you know, there are a lot of forms of leadership. My way of leading is I try to lead by example. So for me, and there's always a negative perception. And, and I, I've always been someone who I don't like sitting on the sidelines. I've always tried to, whether it's be involved with nonprofit work, that's been a big thing for me. I'm on the board for Special Olympics. I love that community. I think people have to invest their time in what they're passionate about. That's a community I'm passionate about, right? I'm not going to ask someone to volunteer for something that they don't have any interest in. I love being involved with UConn and UConn Foundation because it's something I'm passionate about. So I think people need to find what they're passionate about and just invest in the community at that level. You see people, UConn alum, Jason Jakubowski, who leads Connecticut Food Share, incredible UConn alum, what they did for people over the last two years in, in terms of making sure people are fed, given everything that's going on, unreal. We have other alums, Julio Concepcion, Jay Rojas, who are in the legislature. So that's not their full-time job, but they're giving their time in that capacity. For me, 2020 was a huge year for a lot of reasons, obviously COVID, but it was such a dynamic of seeing protests following, you know, with Black Lives Matter, the murder of George Floyd, all the way up to January 6th of 2021. There was such a disparity in how people were treated when they were trying to protest versus when I do think there was an insurrection, right? Not here to make any political commentary. That's just speaking as a lawyer and what I saw on TV. And I thought there's been such a lack of civic engagement that for me, next year, I'll be 20 years out of the university. That's kind of a milestone year. My grandfather's always said, no matter whether you were 10 or 80, you kind of thought you were the same on the inside. And although I still think I'm a kid, the reality is I'm a 40-year-old man and I can't keep waiting for another generation mm -hmm. to help make things right. And if the last 18 months have shown us nothing else, like my generation, it's, it's time to step up. And again, whether it's working for a nonprofit, running for political office, going into public service in some other capacity, being philanthropic. We have to take ownership of where the world's going right now because it's just in a really troubled place. And like, I don't think you should be complaining about politicians if you don't take the time to vote in an election. I kind of think it's not right to complain about what's going on in the world if we're not willing to do what we can to help shape what, how we can change things for the positive. Absolutely. Yeah. And kind of following on that a little bit, I, I know, as you mentioned, you're a big Hartford guy and I, I love spending time in Hartford and I feel like there was a lot going in the right direction. The pandemic, I think, has dented the momentum of everything pretty much. But what are some of your favorite things to do in Hartford? What would you tell people who are who have not maybe taken advantage of all the stuff there? There is the very typical, I love going to Yard Goats games. The city, even when the city's slow, evenings where it's the summer, it's 85 degrees, the restaurants are open. Downtown Hartford during that time is a lot of fun. Same with when UConn is in the city. There's a lot of activity going on. That's just talking about downtown, though. I think what people don't take advantage of in Hartford, and frankly, I was kind of ignorant as someone that lived, other than when I was in New York for law school, I've lived in greater Hartford. I grew up in East Hartford, and I live in Glastonbury now. The neighborhoods that surround downtown Hartford 
are unreal. So the mm -hmm. Parkville market is one of the coolest places to just so cool. kind of go. You can get 20 different types of food. There's a beer garden there. Love doing that. Winterfest just happened. So Bushnell Park, which is the oldest publicly funded park in the United States. They have the ice rink. Awesome place to go hang out down there. The breweries. There's so many like microbreweries everywhere. Pratt Street, Hartford Prince. I love going there. And every year, my kids and I would go and buy different ornaments. There's a few things I've kind of had the benefit as being a member of the Chamber's board. The thing that I've been really excited about lately is this Heartlift program that the city, I think, is doing tremendous things with federal COVID money they've received. They're basically working with landlords and finding shops that are closed, boarded up, and working with the landlord to provide loans that match what the landlord will put into the property to try to attract new small businesses into the area. So if you go into the area around Hartford Hospital, all the way down Capitol Avenue, there's a lot of nice small mom and pop shops, Jamaican restaurants. I had coffee the other day from a gentleman that immigrated here from Costa Rica. Donde Julio, I believe is the best name coffee. Of the place. But it's <laughs> just, there's, there's like a super cultural vibe in parts other than downtown. And I worked downtown for a long time and I grew up going to Whalers games when I was a little kid. So I spent a lot of time downtown, but there are so many neighborhoods going up, you know, UConn, where the UConn Law School is, like Half yeah. Door is one of my favorite places to go grab a drink. It's a great spot. The Wadsworth, there's a ton of stuff down in Hartford, downtown and otherwise that I think we just need to take more advantage of. And I guess I'll wrap up by saying, because this is my like Hartford Chamber of Commerce pitch. <laughs> as much as I love this state and the greater Hartford area, I don't believe we as a state treat Hartford as a capital region as much as other states. My family has a house in the Adirondacks. You drive through the Northway in Albany, which is a smaller city than Hartford. It's called the capital region. I mean, we should be celebrating greater Hartford as a capital region, in my opinion. I think about that all the time. I hope that after after whatever this is, if there is an after that's a little more normal or however we integrate it, we can get that momentum going again because there's so many gems there. There is an opportunity, obviously, with the infrastructure bill that passed at the federal level. Hopefully, some of that money comes to Hartford. I would encourage people that want to learn more about this idea of making the region bigger and maybe getting some better rail projects involved. Google Hartford 400. Hartford and the state of Connecticut's 400th birthdays coming up in the next couple of decades. I think it's like 2035 or something like that. We're not that far off. And what they are trying to do to bring the city back to the banks of the Connecticut River and also help build up East Hartford and make what they'd like to call Midtown Hartford on the other side of the river in East Hartford and really try to expand the city. Not, I don't want to scare my former East Hartford colleagues. They're not looking to take over the town of East Hartford, but they are <laughs> looking to make it more of a region so that you can, it's not right. And it's not just for people with their social work. This is going to help attract businesses and th theoretically help the students to the University of Connecticut. One of the hopes is trying to improve whether it's a rail line or a bus line, a downtown Hartford to stores connection so that it's a 15 to 20 minute ride downtown as opposed to a 35 or 40 minute ride. So mm -hmm. if you think about some of the investment going in at the university, if you could have students being back and forth to Hartford round trip in under an hour, I mean, that's something that is enticing. And frankly, one of the things we want to do as a community is keep University of Connecticut grads in Connecticut to whatever extent that we can. So there's a lot going on, but the Hartford 400 plan, which Congressman Larson did pushing hard and kind of 
has come out of the iQuilt plan, which was another redevelopment, kind of stitching Harford's communities together uh, plan that I've been a part of for the last five or six years. There's a lot of good energy there. But again, I think one of the things of our region, we always get these beautiful drawings at the front page of the Harford Current. You see mm-hmm. what Harford could be, right? I still Google what the, the New England Patriots Stadium should have looked like on the banks yeah. of the Connecticut River. But you need people that's to- That's how you to, do to, late to, at night. Yeah, that's what I do. When, when my wife's in bed and UConn Twitter doesn't want to hear me anymore, I start Googling greater Hartford pictures. Um, that's awesome. Matt, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on and being so generous with your time. Once again, you're at UConn Netch on Twitter. Is there anything else you want to plug or direct people to? Thank you guys for the time. Check out Greater Hartford. Check out the Husky Ticket Project. They are a great group. And again, I love pushing their stuff because it helps university. It helps kids that need help and it helps connect alumni to each other. So it's a great group to support. Excellent. Well, and that's going to do it uh, for this week. I am on Twitter also. I'm at TJ Breen and you can follow the podcast at UConn Podcast. Julie, is there anything you want to tell the people out there? Go to Hartford. Go to Hartford. Patronize some local businesses. I'm just so energized by this conversation. I want to like get involved. I think this call to action is, is really good though. Wherever you are, whatever you're into, get involved in it and make it better because as Tom knows, Tom, the author of an amazing op-ed one time who told people to stop whining about the things that they do not like about Connecticut. I think it's it's just something we should all take to heart in this crazy time. I'm at Julie Bartuka. Follow at Maine underscore old for Tom's history content. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back. Bye.